Hello and welcome to Built on Air, a podcast and video series about all things Airtable. I'm your host, Zoe Vanderplue, and I'd like to thank our sponsor, OpenSide. OpenSide's newest product, Onto Air Forms, is the Airtable form solution that you've been looking for. Visit OpenSide.com to see how it can take your Airtable workflow to the next level. For a limited time, get Onto Air Forms free when you purchase the Onto Air Actions Zapier connector. This week on the show, we meet Remy Marjoram from Santa Barbara, California. Remy is CFO of Nomad Goods, who describe themselves appropriately as the Patagonia of iPhone accessories. Nomad sells their sleek cases, cables, and other gear on their own e-commerce website as well as via wholesale channels. So their product and order management system needs to be able to handle inputs and calculations for a myriad of scenarios. Although Remy's official title deals with finances, his systems and data science background allows him to lend a lot to the evolution of Nomad's internal operations. To no one's surprise, since this is an Airtable podcast after all, Remy has created an astounding base in Airtable that functions as an enterprise resource planning solution for Nomad. In this episode, Remy leads us through a thorough deep dive into the Nomad Goods backend Airtable base. He walks us through the general structure of adding products and placing a wholesale order. We take a look at some of the advanced functions that he's built into the base and how they use Page Designer to generate shipping documents. Remy also discusses their approach to keeping their data secure in Airtable while allowing their team the flexibility to use data however they need. Visit builtonair.com to sign up for the Built on Air mailing list, where you can get weekly updates on new podcast episodes and other fun Airtable things. Hey, Remy, thanks so much for being with us on Built on Air today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself and Nomad Goods. Yeah, so I'm the CFO of Nomad Goods, and I like to say that we're the Patagonia of iPhone accessories. And what that essentially means is that we're making higher end iPhone accessories than your typical like plastic phone case or just throw away cable. So we're trying to make things that like last a long time and are actually uh, tools that you can use. And to do that, we operate in, we operate in out of Hong Kong and in Santa Barbara, California. And so we have a lot of international business and deal with a lot of customers around the world. So we use Airtable to kind of solve those issues that we have. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about kind of what your your day-to-day as a CFO entails. Yeah, so my day-to-day is a lot of meetings and kind of operational things where we're just kind of always constantly designing a better system for everyone around us to use, both for operations on an operational sense and also on a financial sense. So like reporting, we need to have accurate reporting, we need to know how many of our orders are successful and stuff like that and make sure we have the right numbers so that we can operate. Of course, right. So you're kind of, you keep everyone in line, right? You're like, here's how we shall organize this. I will build it for you. Exactly, yeah. Um, and you you had mentioned to me earlier that you kind of have this, um, a little bit of like a, I guess, non-traditional maybe CFO or operations background. So tell us what you did before uh, Nomad Goods. Yeah, so my background actually is in kind of more of the trading space. So I was a day trader before I joined Nomad Goods and essentially doing like basically algorithmic trading. Um, That's a little stressful to do, I think. 
And I actually met the CEO of Nomad uh, Sailing, which was kind of an interesting intro. And then he, he was kind of telling me about the issues he was having with his business. And I was telling him kind of the issues I was having of like, oh, this is way too stressful. I'm going up and down a lot of money each day or each hour. I don't know if this is actually how I want to live my life. And then he was telling me, oh, I'm having like these, all these problems in my business that I don't have anyone solving. So we kind of met in the middle and then made sense for me to join. Awesome. And how long ago was that when you guys decided to collaborate? Uh, That was a year and a half ago. Oh, nice. So um, did you kind of come into Nomad, uh, you know, knowing kind of what systems you wanted to use or how you wanted to improve things? Or um, were you kind of starting from, from scratch and just finding ideas as you went? I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I think it definitely changed a lot over time, especially as the business developed and things changed and we kind of learned more about what we want to do and what worked. I mean, since I've joined, I think we've changed every single system at some point, then <laughs> not maybe once and then maybe again. So it's definitely, we definitely like to change things around and use the newest and best things that are out there. Right. Yeah. Just finding kind of what works. And and also you guys do, um, you do, you know, uh, e-commerce sales to individual consumers and then you do wholesale as well. Right. So what, what is it like kind of to balance, you know, those two fairly different, you know, I'd imagine, you know, types of customers? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's a very hard balance to do because they're so, such a different businesses to run. I like to see them as kind of two separate businesses. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a lot of intertwined aspects. So like product information, for example, is shared between e-commerce and uh, wholesale. And there's no real difference in what that data needs to look like. But then if you want to make a order management system, it needs to be very different for wholesale than uh, e-commerce. Because I mean, there's just it's 100 orders with 10,000 units or it's 10,000 orders with 10,000 units. Right, exactly. Um, and so how how did you kind of come upon Airtable and uh, what is Airtable's place in your your systems for Nomad Goods? Yeah, so I kind of came across Airtable in New York, actually. I was at a an Amazon sellers conference, essentially, and we actually don't sell that much on Amazon. It's really not a focus of, us, of ours, but a lot of the people there were saying that they were using Airtable, and I was kind of like, wow, that seems like a, I'm kind of amazed that I've never heard of this before. That seems like an extremely powerful product. So I kind of checked it out, not really sure what we would use it for, just like, oh, maybe this would replace Google Sheets. But then we kind of determined that it was actually a lot more powerful than that even, and that we could even replace things like Salesforce, for example. So essentially what we're using Airtable for now is an ERP of our business. And those of you that don't know what an ERP is, an ERP is an enterprise resource. I I don't know what the P stands for, a project or something. Planner? Oh my god! I'm gonna Google that now. Actually, yeah. Planner. Let's see. I think it's I think it's planner. It might be right. It's like one of those things where yeah, planner enterprise. Yeah, so it's one of those like acronyms where you're like, I know what it does, but I have no idea what it's standing for. It's like yeah, exactly something. Um, but anyway, right. So ERPs, you built one in Airtable, and kind of how does it function? What what purpose does it serve? So it kind of functions, and I'll show you in a bit, but basically there's four tabs that are like primary tabs. So the the first tab is called orders. And so that, that's like where the sales team lives. And so this is, so we use this primarily for wholesale. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're talking, um, so orders is like the salesperson area. And then we have line items, which is just like each line of that order. And that's the next tab over. 
And I like to say that's where the sales team and the logistics team meet. Mm-hmm. And then, then we have the shipments tab. And the shipments tab is just where the logistics team lives. And then the fourth tab is the directory. And that's just all the mapping and information for everything. Very cool. Well, I guess now that we've sort of gotten to the point where we're, we're already trying to visualize it, um, why don't you go ahead and share your screen and kind of walk us through uh, you know, how it functions and we can get a view of the base. All right, so just kind of high level, like, like I talked about, orders, line items, shipments. And for those of you that do object-based coding, this is kind of how I think of it, is these are the order objects, line item objects, shipment objects, directory objects. Then we have these kind of tabs, and I like to think of these as dictionaries, um, kind of like in a Python-esque definition. Um, and so these are just definitions, and it's basically divided up. I like to divide it up this way. We could have all of these just be in this one thing, product data, but different teams do different things on our like operations and product design side. So it's divided up basically so that each team can have their own kind of aspect. And then we have all these other tabs. This parse tab is just due to a, basically a, just an anomaly in Airtable search. We have to have it. I'll explain that later. Um, this is more mapping and then just all these are all just mapping basically. And then once we get out of those areas, so everything that's numbered is kind of like a, I like to say it's like an off limits area where no one is supposed to edit there. I mean, they can edit the records. Like if you want to make a new record, yeah, you make a new record, but really you shouldn't be editing columns or changing names or adding new columns. Mm-hmm. Everything to the right of that, this is kind of just free for all. Any, anyone can just add their own tab and people add their own tabs all the time and they're they vary however much someone wants whatever they want to have because they have access to all the information that's stored there so you can just do a quick look up and get whatever you need so how big is the team that's sort of working in this air table every day yes yeah, so we're a 25 person team oh wow and then does everyone have edit access or is it like some people can read only or how do you kind yes, of you have everyone everyone has edit access which I think is a lot is for a lot of companies would be really scary. Um, but we like, a, we try and operate very transparently so that everyone can see everything that's going on. And we have had problems in the past where someone didn't really know what they were doing and edited something by accident, but it, it's easy to fix normally because you can roll back and it's not too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And kind of the way we have it where you can't, you're not supposed to edit these areas. It just kind of works pretty easily. Right. You guys kind of have like a, an honor system going on, I guess. Um, And then obviously, right. Of of course, you know, if people kind of have the know-how and comfort to create their own tables for things that they might need, do you guys do sort of any, you know, training with people on Airtable or your, you know, Nomad ERP or. Yeah, for sure. So whenever someone wants to add something like that, I first ask them to ask me or Reese's other person who works on Airtable is kind of the development side. And then we basically determine if it makes sense to be added as a field within our kind of operating Airtable or if it should just be built out however they want. So sometimes what I'll say is just build out whatever you want in here. Like for example, here's this MSRP checker, which just basically checks if our pricing is set in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's like a pretty specific use case, but this could definitely be like built into product data, for example, and then live right there. And it could be basically just one column, but someone 
built this out. And then essentially what we'll do is we'll move this into basically it's like a feature request kind of is how I look at it. Oh, cool. So you guys, yeah, you kind of have your own little, you know, system of checks and balances or, you know, if you're like, Hey, well, you don't even need to build this table because like, just go to this view here and it'll have everything. But we're not slowing anything down as well where we're saying like, no, no, don't, don't not build the table. If you want to build the table, just make a new tab and build it. And then we'll determine if it's worth integrating or not, or if it even like works. Right. It's yeah. Kind of like a, it's a it's a good way to combine like development space with production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like get what you need now, and then we can you know observe it later and determine if it's you know an isolated thing or something that should be added to the whole. Very cool. Yeah, and it, it's a pretty good workflow. I wish that there was a way to actually make it like structurally that we could say, oh, you only have edit access on these tabs. Mm-hmm. That's not really possible. We've been playing around actually with uh, CSS hides. Okay, uh, cool. So I kind of just show you. So you can actually make a Chrome extension that hides uh, custom CSS. So if I like, let's just say like I wanted to make it so that title didn't exist, you could go in here. Essentially, you get really deep into this CSS, and then you get each column, and then you could delete column, and then you could make a Chrome extension that just deletes every single instance of that column, and then it would make it uneditable. Right, I see, because they don't have the, the drop-down to do exactly. it. Exactly, the drop-down would get deleted. Interesting That's what solution. That's around with, but it would require a lot of work just kind of going through and determining all of these things that we want to hide. So for now, we're just operating on the honor system, but that's something we've thought about. Right, yeah, some sort of kind of more granular permissions definitely would be, you know, a little helpful. Um, but I guess now that we've sort of, you know, yeah, talked yeah. about the, the big sort of scope of how you guys work in the space, um, should we dig in a bit and maybe you can go through a few of the, the tables to show us how everything's set up? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll kind of just start here just so we can kind of make a product. So unfortunately, I have to delete all of our... This would normally be filled with data, of course, but we can't. Yeah, don't show us your super secret yeah. uh, nomad stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so essentially here is just our product information and UPC, universal product code. That's just how everyone defines product. Uh, so I have my view that is uh, just showing everyone's personal view. Um, so we actually have our product name is a formula. So let's say we want to make a new, let's just call it an adapter. And it's going to be a three-port adapter. All right. So and then we just made a new product. Um, that's pretty much we'll make this an active product. And it's, we're going to make this really high priority as well. And then all this other information, not really necessary, but it's just there. Um, all right. So then that's our product. And I mean, this is pretty simple just thing, but we just have to build this out a little bit so we can get into more interesting features. Um, Okay, so next we need to give it a skew. All our skews um, essentially encode what the product is, which is kind of interesting. So it's basically like a kind of like a hex code in a way. <laughs> There's a lot of information, so things aren't defined. Right, yeah, you guys definitely have a lot stored in here. So then we just have to define a category for it. Um, so this will be power. So each of one of these things, so now I want to do size. And essentially what this is doing is assigning a code to each category and it just builds it. it. And then later, later in the process, whenever we have a SKU, you can just, I'm just going to do random ones from now on. Um, 
Right. But you'll be able to tell just sort of by each digit in each place what the attributes of that product are. Each digit uniquely identifies the product. And then if we're doing something like, so we actually have a Google sheet that's built out. So we export all our Airtable to Google Sheets just every hour. Mm -hmm. So we actually have a Google sheet that's built out that'll make a code, like a snippet of code. It'll just uniquely, it'll just read the SKU and just define it. So if you're doing anything in Zapier, for instance, you can just have that code just run. And then it's just like, oh, NM33402220. I can tell you the size, the color, every aspect of that product. Awesome. And then we use this kind of logic called over, I call it just overriding. And essentially, whenever we make something, we just override it. And the reason that we do this is just to make sure that if someone comes in here and just accidentally is like, oh, actually... This was wrong. It was actually should be light gray instead of dark gray. We don't want that skewed to change because that's what's printed on the packaging and how we're identifying it. Right. So we override that. So for important things, we have this override idea. And it's pretty simple. It's just if it's blank, don't do anything. If it's not blank, then do something. Right. Just in case. Yeah, you don't want that shouldn't be like live data that can be yeah. updated after it's and it also it also really helps for like kind of fringe case case issues. Like let's say for example, maybe we made the product and we printed the SKU wrong on all the packaging. Mm-hmm. Just override it and we don't have to change everything in the whole system. Nice. Yeah. So it's a pretty good workflow for that. Uh, so we could define some dimensions for it. Not really necessary, but this will put in there. Awesome info. Same kind of thing. And again, why we do all this like separation of this product data is so that each team can kind of do each aspect. So like the inbound logistics team can do the customs info and then our kind of more like our like sourcing team can do like the product dimensions. Right. Yeah. Because getting kind of overwhelmed, I think by the number of fields in a table sometimes is like a real problem. Um, yeah. So yeah, just sort of separating out being like, you only need to concern yourself with this is pretty helpful. And then uh, are you, when you guys have a new product to add, are you kind of going through and, and manually adding it? Um, or is there some kind of automation that takes care of this? Um, for adding a new product, we normally go through and manually add it just because there's just so much information. It's so important to have this in our database. Right. I wish there was a better way to automate like bringing things around. You can't actually edit these like linking fields very well, or I haven't really found a good way of doing it. But I'll show you in a second once we're kind of done like linking all of this, what it kind of looks like. I just have to give this information. But this process would be done over the course of like several months, essentially, as each stage of the product development. And then, so that's it, then we're done. Cool. Right. So it's like you can kind of know and everything's numbered. So it follows that kind of linear progression pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. And then so there's actually this view that kind of shows you where so you can kind of track where everything is, just where it's linked. Nice. Right. And and then you can also tell if something just was never linked, like say like maybe the team that was doing the dimensions just is behind because they're missing some things. But people doing the pricing are already done. So you can kind of see where that is and what needs to be done before it can actually be launched as a product. Nice. Um, and the re- so the reason, just quickly on the reasoning why we do this parse page is we want to have this searchable string. So one thing that Air- how Airtable works is it searches off this first identifier field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to put everything into this parse field, which is kind of a pain, to be honest, because we just have to make a bunch of lookups. But essentially, parse is just everything put together. 
Got it. Um, okay, so now we have a product that we can actually buy or use. I want that product. Yeah. I would like to Our order it. adapter. It's really exciting. Um, all right, so now we'll make a... All right, so now we can make start making some objects. So the, the order object essentially links directly with the directory. Got it. And so that's just how that works. Um, all right, now I have that object. So another thing we do is we use formulas on this first identifier field. And this is a good way to kind of catch errors if things aren't fully inputted. And then you can kind of make um, required fields in a way because every time you don't have a required field, they'll throw an error. I think this is a really useful thing to do on almost every single tab. I agree. Yeah, definitely formulas and primary fields are, are the way to go just because you can kind of manipulate things like that and yeah. give indicators. <laughs> Yeah, there's, not, there's almost like no reason to ha not have a formula in the primary field. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just like I need a date. And then uh, certainly you guys, since this is mainly for you know wholesale, you have some sort of portal, right? Where people go to place these orders and the data is just you know sent to Airtable or um, are orders mainly taken you know like via phone or via email and it- Yeah, so since we have so many like international partners, it's actually- I mean, there are, is some technology that you can do, like PDF parsing and stuff like that. I don't really believe in it or think that it's worth the effort. <laughs> I right. mean, let's say we do 100 orders a month. Um, it, it's probably, I mean, it might be worth it at some point. Like, let's say you're doing 1,000 orders. Yeah, then it would start to maybe you want to do the parsing. But I think, I mean, right here, you just have to enter four fields. So it's not that tough. And I think the amount of errors avoided by doing that is probably worth it to just have that. Right. And it's like everyone's POs look different, you know, if you're not making them order through the same system. So, it, yeah, I wouldn't really trust a PDF parser in that scenario either. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. There's definitely, I'm one to try and get everything to be as automated as possible, but there's sometimes, there are times where it's just not worth it. Mm -hmm, for sure. Um, all right. So then... Yeah, sorry, we kind of just have to build out all this information so that we can kind of show some more interesting yeah, stuff. No, this is great to kind of see how, you know, from end yeah, to end, uh, yeah. an item travels through the space. So now I'm going to add a product. So this product, this links to that parse field. And so this is super helpful because, and then we'll also, if this product was like out of inventory or something, out of inventory would overwrite this and it would not even be there. So you nice. really get a lot of information here. Um, we just made a very simple product that has no inventory and is ready to go, but you can get more information there, which is super helpful for like the team when they're inputting their PO, they're like, Oh, actually there's an issue. I need to get back to them quickly. Um, and it's the, whatever information they need. So it's not like information overload. It's just, this is the status of those items. Right. So then this object is basically a child of orders. Um, so you have to link it. And so now we're kind of filling this out. So that's pretty much all you have to do for a product. Right. And then, of course, you know, if I had ordered, you know, a thousand phone cases, right, that would be another line item linked to that order. Yeah, so exactly. So now I need to put in that information. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just in all line items. You'll get a better view. Yeah, so let's say you ordered a thousand, right? So then the way our pricing works, and this actually took a lot of time to kind of figure out the best way to do this. Um, because the way, like, a, if you think about what a price entry is, is it's kind of like a dual layer, like, object. It's like, 
there's two, it's associated to two things, if that makes sense. It's associated to an item and an account. There's no real good way of doing that relationship in Airtable or in any other system because I mean, it's basically 3D. Um, so the way we do it is we have this thing called price book entry. And so if we go to accounts pricing. So this ID is basically just generated. It's UBC and price book name. Is that the name of the account? I forget the name of the account. Was it test? Yeah. Test. Yeah. Oh, then <laughs> revealed a little bit about some terms. But that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Okay. So that'll link now. All right. So then what this formula does is basically just puts this together. And I wish there was a way to do a formula that then became a lookup. That's, I think that's probably would be my most requested feature for Airtable. For sure. And for now, you just have to drag it across. Yeah, I have the same problem where I'm like, I really want this this value that's auto-generated to just become a linked record automatically. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's good old fashioned, you know, copy paste or you know, link a record or you know, maybe you could get Zapier to do it in some cases. But yeah, I think I, something like this too, right? You need it to kind of instantly be there. It's just that's the problem. That I've looked at doing it with Zapier, but it's it's not instant, so there'd be a delay, and then you don't know. So it, if you're entering a lot of line items, it's actually really easy because you just get a big list, and then you can just take this and just drag it across. Right. Yeah. So makes so sense. I think I, Messed up naming that somehow, um, but no, um, and then it just auto links. And then once again, for things like pricing, we have the override pricing logic. So if I want to make it twelve dollars, I can just override it. And if you want to lock in the price, you lock in the price. Right. We just always use these overrides, and it's the same thing. It's just the drag. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much it for line item. Then each person has different fields revealed as what they want. And then on each object that get carried on. So like the orders, orders has their own notes, line items has their own notes, and then also has the order notes, makes sense. Nice. Um, so then we go to shipments. Shipments kind of same concepts as child of line items. Um, but this allows us to basically combine multiple POs and consolidate shipments, which is super helpful. Um, Everyone's views are so different. I don't even know. Right. But I mean, I guess that's another cool thing about Airtable is that, you know, each one of your logistics team, right, can set up whatever view or flow works best for them. Yeah. Um, so you're just like, hey, these are the things you definitely need to fill in or put in. And then, you know, I can be like, well, I want to do it this way. So exactly. I need to put it's in it. only these things. So I don't need to look at anyone else's stuff. Yeah. No, it's super helpful. Um, I basically just need to go back to these. Essentially, I just need to link this to a shipment. Right. Another thing I, I wish, like when you have a bunch of fields, I wish you could search for the field name and then it would bring you to that field. That yeah, that would be a great feature. <laughs> all right. So when you're in this view, you basically can just make all these shipments and then you attach line items to each shipment. Got so it. that's where like, the crossover is. And then this kind of builds what your shipment looks like. Um, and then that's kind of the last step in making this because then we have all of these steps. And then this will like link. This isn't going to work, but in theory, if this was a real order, you'd be able to track the order status and just be able to share those links with everyone. Right. Cool. Uh, and then we use the blocks to make invoices. I love your commercial invoice names. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I used to have to do a little bit of logistics and international shipping and it can be such a um, headache sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You probably know as more than I do, but essentially a lot of countries have very stringent requirements that you would never expect. Yeah. And right. And I'm sure your team knows it's like, if it gets over a certain dollar amount, right, you need to split the shipment. Otherwise like they'll, you can't, you know, self broker it. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. But, uh, it's cool kind of how, you know, I mean, really like this whole sort of, uh, system shows how, you know, really when you're doing logistics and orders and stuff, you want to be able to standardize it into a one fits all process, but really that's not how things work actually in the world. So you guys have built a system where, you know, it does allow for that flexibility, those overrides, combining shipments, splitting shipments, all of that stuff that in a, more structured system would you'd have to do you know a bunch of workarounds to be able to to cleanly you know separate and and remap yeah that's a that's a big thing that we really benefited from this is is that exactly what you're saying like having you want to have enough structure but then also have the elements where you can do all these workarounds and like you a lot of systems like they'll just output one commercial invoice which i mean technically makes sense because you think you always need the same commercial invoice but I mean, really, you need to have like all these other versions and then you want like different packing lists and like different accounts to need different information. Like, so right. Yeah. Really you guys can create all that and just choose what works for that particular order instead of, you know, just. Yeah. Right. And you know, to, like a lot of times you'll be constrained because you'll have the one purchase order and then you have to make the shipment from it. But in reality, like you want to be able to move all these parts around. So I think it gives a lot of like power and flexibility to our logistics team to be able to do that. Agreed. Yeah, this is really cool. Just having that, just thinking back to my, I used to work in the promotional products industry doing, you know, some order processing and fulfillment and just thinking how some systems are like, they make it really convenient for salespeople, but then the back end is just sort of like a total cluster. Um, so it seems really cool that, you know, there's this kind of philosophy that you've built with your team and their competence in Airtable in the space that, you know, uh, you do allow for that sort of flexibility and, um, just groupings and ungroupings and, you know, making it so it doesn't have to be so cut and dry and nice and even because the real world is not like that. Um, even in shipping. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then it also, just by building all the this, we can then work, like those workarounds are great, but we still have the source data that right. isn't really worked around. Because that's what happens when you get into these problems where you're working around everything. And 10% of the time, you're not even using the workflow. You're going outside of the workflow and then you're losing the data. And then like, you're not even, because everything that's losing money is the thing that is outside the workflow, for example. Right. And it's something that like you can't track because it never shows up on the reports because you did something weird to be able to make it look how you needed it to look. So yeah, exactly. And then on the, from a finance side, I'm, I'm coming in and being like, Hey guys, like, why is it saying that we shipped like 90% of our goods? Like what happened to the other 10%? And they're like, Oh, well we had to like do this because Kuwaiti customs said we had printed with blue ink. And then like, Obviously, we can't do that, so we had to go around it, and it's like, oh, well, now I have to go through and figure that whole thing out. Right, yeah, this sort of, it makes sure that everything can, you know, kind of get caught. Um, Yeah, basically make sure that everything works for everyone. I love it. Um, 
Yeah, thank you so much for kind of giving us a tour of this, you know, and and even just kind of seeing you populate the records, you know, it was kind of cool to see how something goes, you know, really from A to Z. So I guess, you know, tell us, um, is there anything else kind of closing remarks you want to uh, leave us with for this base before we sign off? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple like interesting things. I'm trying to find this field that I have, but there's a couple like interesting things you can do with Airtable. Um, so I'll just explain that I can't find the actual field where it is. Uh, one of these is basically, there's no limit to how many if statements you can put in. Mm-hmm. And so you can basically write, like, I think it's like basically if you put into a Word document, it's like 10 pages long of just, and it's just a step function of every pound level. And you can just like make an equation in like Excel or Google Sheets that just makes your if statement for you. And it can save a ton of time because there's no limit to how much calculation power you can kind of make Airtable do. And it doesn't seem like it slows it down too much. Um, so there's some really interesting things you can do with formulas where you just make these super long nested if statements and it's really easy to do and without any thinking. And so, well, two questions. Well, first, maybe we'll have to have you like back on the show sometime to talk about building those nested ifs. But also then in this particular case, are you using it then to estimate uh, shipping based on? Yeah, so all our, that's what I'm trying to, yeah, this is all of our like cost associated with it. Um, but I mean, you can see that all of these are just nested if statements pretty much. Right. You're trying uh, to find the big kahuna, the one that's like. Yeah, there's one that's like really. It's long. Yeah. <laughs> It uh, doesn't really matter. But very, very cool. Yeah, no, I really like that how, you know, if, if you can figure out a way to kind of build those a little bit more efficiently, it, it can essentially operate in whatever kind of, you know, demented, specific, annoying shipping cost rules there might be. Yeah, exactly. And you're able to like granularize things and make it really interesting. Very and then cool. another thing that we do that's really powerful, these import-export pages. And essentially, these are just... We basically just match API documentation on each of the other platforms that we use. Oh, cool. So we can actually just use, then one of the biggest pains with working with APIs is just names. Like you have to spend so much time taking the name of something and putting it into the, the name of something else. Right. Which is one thing that Zapier does a really good job of solving, but it's even easier if the names are just the same. So like actually. we go into like our Shopify one, it's like, this is what the name you, this is what Shopify uses for all their names and all their fields. So we can just quickly design anything to integrate with any system by just having these import-export pages that are essentially these past, all of these numbered tabs put into however their system takes it. And it costs, costs, saves us a ton of development time. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, just making everything map the same so you don't have to sit there and yeah, because there's no, there's no limit how many lookup fields you can do. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Remy, thank you so much for uh, giving us this tour. Um, really cool. Uh, and I guess uh, before we sign off, just uh, tell everyone else where they can go to check out uh, Nomad Goods uh, or more about yourself. Yeah, uh, so our website's hellonomad.com. You can check us out, obviously. Our, I think our attention to detail on our back end also shows on our product design. I like to think they're also really smart guys working on that part. <laughs> Very cool. But, we'll include that link in the show notes so um, people can check it out and grab a new iPhone case or something. Thank you so much, Remy. I really appreciate uh, 
getting to learn a little bit more about you and Nomad and your um, crazy, demented, awesome, wonderful magic uh, ERP. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me.